0: I love thinking about the guy who got the part. It really takes my disappointment away instantly because God, we, we, we live for those rare moments where somebody says, we're picking you. And I understand that it can wear thin if, if you're never getting that call and you, know, you can't always celebrate for other people, but I don't know, for me, it helps a lot.
1: Listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm A.J. Meyer.
2: And I'm Trevor Algott. And coming up in episode 226, I sit down for the second part of my conversation with actor Michael Kostroff to talk about what casting directors are really looking for. The thing the vast majority of actors have backwards. The golden rule of auditioning. And a lot more, some really, really actionable, concrete takeaways in this interview. So stay tuned, guys. Episode 226 of Inside Acting is happening right now.
1: Support for this episode of Inside Acting comes from go.com the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. Visit vo to gogocom start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that'll help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's vo2gogo.com the number slash start.
2: AJ, how are you, my friend, on this gorgeous Monday morning after Oscar Sunday in Hollywood, California?
1: It's Leap Year Day.
2: It is Leap Year Day. It is is an odd day in the year.
1: So we have some stuff to catch up on on the... uh on the membership
2: yeah yeah Uh, a few really exciting things to catch up on the membership i just kind of wanted to point these out because there's a lot going on in there and uh as always more people is more fun so um if you guys haven't checked it out yet if you're a member and you're listening to this podcast episode and you haven't been in the membership in a few days or weeks check it out there's a really great thread on minimalism i had no idea that this was such a an interesting topic for creative people but there's a lot of chalk-filled posts and thoughts from people on approaches to minimalism on getting rid of your crap on creating more space for focus and results and abundance in your life so i just wanted to point that one out highlight that if you haven't checked that out it's, it's definitely worth uh, taking a few minutes to visit Uh, Also, we've got some ABC meetups coming up. Uh, The next one is Saturday, March 5th. That's this coming Saturday. And then the next one after that is the 19th. So typically, these ABC meetups happen on the first and third Saturday of each month. There's details in the membership as to the time and location and whatnot. And Gadali has been awesome about really just kind of leading those, just totally taking the reins on those and making them happen. And some exciting results are being created by people that are regularly attending those meetings. Every time one comes up, I'm like scheduled to work. Weekends are usually my work weeks. So I I typically am booked out uh, on Saturdays and Sundays. But Mm -hmm. every once in a while, I'm able to, to make it over to one. So, that's exciting, hope to see more people at those, including me, Uh, and uh, the last announcement, big announcement, because there's a lot going on in there, but the last big announcement is uh, the IAP book club, book nerds represent, we're going to be reading, it looks like a Brene Brown book for the month of March. We we wrapped up uh, February with Jack Canfield's Key to Living the Law of Attraction. And uh, overwhelmingly, people said, we need to read this Brene Brown book next. So I I am blanking on exactly which one it is, but everybody said the same book. So I think that's going to be next for March. So hope to see you in the membership joining in on the threads around that book and the takeaways for career and life. So we have uh, I'm so excited for you to share this because you had a chemistry read for for this 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 pilot audition you had it with the star of the show and it was for a series regular role and i know kind of how it turned out and i know that there's some interesting sort of stories and lessons in this so so tell our listeners people have been waiting for ages to hear uh what came of this
1: actually i want to quickly address on this topic uh, a question from uh long-time listener tyler briney he reached out on twitter actually and asked me this question so he said um I've heard that an offer sheet must be signed before the kimchi read and that the offer can later be used as a quote for different jobs, even if they go in a different direction. Is this true? Can you discuss? So I figured I'd talk about this briefly before going into the story because it is chronologically something that would happen beforehand. First of all, there's a couple of things to explain here uh, the word quote in this instance is actually a one of those like industry vocab words. Um, it has to do with how much you get paid from job to job to job. So as you as your career grows, your quote grows. You can um, uh, essentially ask for more money on different jobs so that's called your quote. Tyler was asking, can you use this for your quote? Uh, meaning a an offer signed before a chemistry read. So I did not sign an offer, but I know that this does happen. And the reason it happens is because if you go in for a network test, like say you get to the very last you know, step of booking a pilot, um, they may have you sign an offer letter because they want to make sure that if they really, really like you, you can't go, oh, yeah, you really like me? I'm going to ask for more money. Because it has happened. So that's why they do it, Tyler. Um, And I'm sure a lot of people out there know that and a lot of people out there don't know it. So it's a great question. I did not. And I think the reason why is because this chemistry read was the second callback, the third audition in the process, and there was probably a couple more. You can probably tell by the way I'm talking that it's not moving forward. So I'll just say that whoever does end up, you know, moving forward or or booking this, they're probably gonna have to go through another, maybe two rounds of auditions. Um, Another one where they uh, do like a network test or a network audition and then another one after that. Potentially where they get the entire cast together and actually do like, you know, almost like a staged reading of it. I kind of heard things in the casting office the next day because I went in for a different pilot. Uh, this is all part of the story. So um, I'm, I did not have to sign an offer letter beforehand, but uh, the audition went well. Uh, basically, long story short, I thought that the star of the show was uh, improvising with me during the audition, and I, was not prepared for that. Um, the It was a sitcom, or it is a sitcom, and the rhythms of the sitcom are very, very specific because it's a sitcom, and sitcom rhythm is very set-up joke, set-up joke, set-up joke. So I was prepared with the sort of my version of the rhythm of, of the show, and I know that the creator, I found this out uh, a little bit later, that the creator and writer, uh, co-writer of the show, is very um, anti-improv in this sort of specific sitcom rhythm. So I was not expecting that <clears throat> and felt like I got tripped up, didn't have a really good response to some of these lines because in my mind, they were set up lines for punch lines that I had. And I left the audition really beating myself up for about a good 40 minutes. I emailed or called my agents, my manager, Howie Gold who runs the workshop where I first met the creator and showrunner. I was not in a good place uh, because I thought that I had sort of dropped the ball. I thought that, you know, this was something I did have control over was my mm, improv ability, my improv skills. Turns out my man or my agents called the casting director or the casting directors called them because they had another client who was going out for a different role on the same pilot. And my agent didn't want to ask about me, but the casting director actually brought it up. And she said, you know, it's not moving forward with AJ. They're going in a different direction physically, meaning they're going to cast somebody who looks differently than me, and there's nothing I can do about that. But I just want you to know he did a wonderful job. To which my agent responded, oh, really? Because he kind of felt bad, like he, you know, dropped the ball, like, you know, so and so was trying to improv with him, and he didn't. And casting director said, "Let me stop you right there." AJ did a wonderful job. He was very funny. Everybody thought so. He was not prepared. He didn't know his lines. Mm. So for forty minutes, I was beating myself up. And it turns out that, I mean, obviously, yes, I could have responded in some, you know, hilarious way to these lines that didn't exist. But uh, I ended up coming out looking like a bit of the hero. And I know that I booked that office because they called me in for another pilot the next day. Yes. Um, And I went in and I met the other casting director from the same office. And he said, oh, I was in the room yesterday. And I'm thinking like, oh, no, (laughs) is this a good thing or a bad thing? I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't see you. There's a lot of people in there. And he laughed and he said, "Yeah, there were a lot of people in there." Uh and also I was, you know, hiding behind a pole uh, cuz <laughs> there was like columns inside of this giant yeah, room. Yeah. Um and there was probably like 20 people in this audition. And uh and and he said, "No, he said you were great. You were very funny." So, boom. Mic drop, uh, book the office. Yes. So that is the, uh, that's the chemistry read story, everyone.
2: (laughs) I want to point out two things because I think this is, this is interesting. And the first thing is the obvious, and we sort of talked about this a few days ago, but how funny the stories we make up for ourselves that, can be disempowering and it may be based on real world evidence but all that real world evidence is always interpreted somehow or filtered somehow through some bias of some kind and so how how crazy that the story was oh i i fucked that up and actually i mean like you said you know okay i could have been better prepared i could handle it better but they loved it they, they thought you were fantastic. You booked the office. You proved your, your worth as a professional actor. And they were mm. like, bring that guy back. Put him on the short list. And yet, 40 minutes of your life was spent going, uh, like the complete opposite story. Interesting thing to just notice about how many of us run our lives, whether we're aware of it or not. Um, so I wanted to just point that out. And we all do it. I'm not, I'm not singling you out, AJ. I'm just, this is... Just you know, something that we all get to be aware of and uh, and work to you know reprogram uh, in our lives. But the second thing I think is cool is that right after the the meeting, you you immediately called your agent. You called Howie. You, you made a bunch of phone calls. Can you talk a little bit more about why and and what those calls were about?
1: Well, yeah, it was phone calls, emails, and text messages. I just wanted to, <clears throat> you know, there were a lot of people, obviously friends, family, and you know, professional uh, colleagues that wanted to know how it went and 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 you know sort of follow up and, and look we, we talk about all the time it's a relationship business like how he knows the showrunner, so he was saying like, look if you don't get any feedback in the next day or two, let me know and i'll I'll follow up with with um with Tim so you know i I was in some way just giving my representation an update on what happened and in other ways you know. Um, doing my due diligence to um, guess keep my name in the hat, keep myself in the running, you know because you know if they hadn't gone a different direction physically there's a you know a chance I could have moved forward despite what I was making up about the audition itself and that's actually still the case you know uh, on that subject there's always the chance that the person doesn't work out who they do end up casting or they test it for net, or they shoot the pilot. They could shoot the pilot and be like, "Uh, eh, we're not feeling this per- particular person in that role," and then they go back to the drawing board, so to speak. And sometimes the drawing board includes all the people that made it far in the first place. You know, it's not entirely dead, and that and that's those are some of the conversations I was having with Howie, for instance, and um, and the conversations I was having with my agencies. You know, I just want them to to know because. You know, one of my agents even said that she said, "You know, you're you're old enough now. You're mature enough now. You're you're you you've done this enough. You know, you know something went well or not, and we trust you in that. And so she wanted to make sure that she got to the bottom of what happened in the room, and she would have asked if the eventually." if the casting director hadn't brought it up herself but you know she said for the most part she they they trust me now to know like whether or not you know if i think it went well
2: it is uh you're right it's definitely not uh abnormal i guess uh for them to cast somebody start shooting and then say you know what this isn't working out for whatever reason and i think a really famous example of that is uh they cast a for back to the future they cast a guy named uh Oh, I'm blanking on his name right now. He's a great actor, really, really great actor. Has you know, works all the time. His name's Eric something, I think. And they cast him, and they shot for like six weeks with him in Michael J. Fox's you know role, like the role that made Michael J. Fox. And they just were like, you know, he's great, but he's just. They were looking at the footage, like there's just something missing. There's a humor, there's a lightness, there's something that's just not fitting with this. And so they actually let him go, and then they found Michael J. Fox, and they're like, that's our guy or maybe they had auditioned him prior I don't know exactly but they they eventually they essentially backpedaled and replaced the lead role you can look up uh, footage of this of this like lost back to the future footage with this original actor you can look it up on youtube and you can see like yeah he's great but it's just not right it doesn't fit for some reason Eric Stoltz this is Eric Stoltz all right i was i was thank right first you with the thank you fan. google yeah <laughs> This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by Rehearsal Pro. Yes, indeed, Pro. The next version of Rehearsal, the essential app for actors, is coming in like probably a matter of weeks at this point. So if you want to learn your lines, if you want to be off book for your auditions, if you want to explore your character, make stronger choices and do a ton more, literally a ton more. You can go to rehearsal.pro slash IAP right now to learn all about the great new features coming in this next version of Rehearsal Pro, which is this really groundbreaking app designed uh, by actors for actors. It is a mainstay in my uh, audition process and uh, many, many, many famous actors as well, including Gwyneth Paltrow and uh, uh, no, Tom Hanks' wife, Rita Wilson. Um, they they've both been on national news talking about this app so it's uh, it's legit man it's the real deal reserve your soon to be released copy of rehearsal pro right now at rehearsal.pro slash iap that's rehearsal.pro slash iap And uh, we've just got a few minutes left, but I thought it was very apropos, given that we just had a long discussion about the stories that we make up and tell ourselves uh, in this industry and in life sometimes, to just like rewind a a minute for an episode or two and talk about um, uh, this idea of... Castability and sexuality in the industry we had a listener from Detroit write in uh, you guys may remember and just say like, you know I, I, I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm hiding. I, I feel like I He had a whole sort of conversation about this and we mentioned Mike Bowers who's a longtime listener a fantastic guy brilliant writer uh, And supporter of the podcast and he wrote in with a question very similar to the listener from Detroit's question long time ago and Mike wrote in with his response to this listener from Detroit And then the listener from Detroit wrote in with his response to our response. So there's just a little bit of discussion to mention here. So I wanna start off with with Mike Bauer's response because this is great. Mike says, way back when I first wrote into the podcast about being gay in Hollywood, I was worried about being stereotyped. But of course, as we know, stereotyping means working. But he says, I still didn't want to get stuck. However, we now live in a world where there is at least one gay character and probably 80% or more of TV shows, less so in films, but what can you do? And they come in all shapes and sizes, mannerisms, varying degrees of masculinity and femininity. Mike says, in addition to that, more and more stars are coming out of the closet or coming onto the Hollywood scene already out and making no bones about it, and they are playing both gay and straight characters. So my fears about the issue have pretty much gone away completely. And in regards to the listener from Detroit, my advice is this. You don't have to be out publicly, but if you aren't truthful about who you are to yourself and those closest to you, then you'll not be able to embody a character's truth. I've watched closeted actors perform, and you can always tell that something somewhere isn't clicking. And then once they are open about who they truly are, their art immediately becomes better. Of course, in Hollywood, there are plenty of gay actors who are not out out publicly, but they are out to their friends and family, and so their art is able to flourish and grow. And I think that's an important distinction. You don't need to tell the world about it. You can just be who you are in your life and then just be an actor without any conversation about that. Uh, And then Mike finishes up by saying, Mm -hmm. If anyone listening wants to move to Hollywood but has a fear of being out of the closet here, well, most of the casting directors I've met are women or gay men. So don't be afraid. Uh, if you're right for the part, you're right for the part, regardless of sexuality and worrying about it will only hold you back. So Mike, thank you for that. Boom. shakalaka, brother. Um, so blister uh, <laughs> from Detroit wrote in with a great story. Do you want to share his story, AJ?
1: Yeah, definitely. So this is not, this is not in response to Mike's, uh, email obviously because he didn't hear that. Um, but, uh, more in response to, essentially what we talked about in in that episode when uh, the listener from Detroit sent in his his question. So, uh, hey guys, really appreciate you guys taking the time to discuss my question. I've actually had quite a week since listening to this episode and your advice has helped me out a lot. First, I got fired from my job as a waiter. I'll come back to that in a minute. How can that be a good thing? You'll see. The next day I went out with a group of friends. A few of them already knew that I'm gay for a birthday party. While I was there, I actually ran to this guy who had a brief fling with, along with his roommate, who is also a friend of mine. Uh, his roommate saw me from across the bar and screamed my name very loudly and flamboyantly. My friends who didn't know I'm gay just kind of looked at me and said, uh, do you know that guy? My heart dropped into my stomach. I didn't know how to handle the situation, but in the back of my head, I could hear AJ's advice. Hey, that's me. I'm making choices based on fear. So without answering, I walked over to my gay friend gave him a kiss on the cheek and a big hug all my f- straight friends just looked at me with utter confusion until it finally clicked the look on their faces when it clicked were actually quite hysterical anyway i stayed and chatted with the guy for a bit as i watched my friends take their drinks outside when i joined them outside there was a awkward silence then one of my buddies looked at me lifted his glass and said well At least one of us are getting some tail tonight. We all started laughing, and it was never brought up again. There was nothing to discuss. We just had a silent understanding that I am who I am, and they accepted me for it. I was living in fear this whole time for nothing. And the silly thing is, I knew deep down that this would likely be the outcome, but I I was so consumed with it that I let it control me. Coming out to my family will be a completely different story, but I'll cross that bridge when I get there, then he goes into uh, his story about um, uh, how he's fired from his serving job. And, of course, fear once again consumes him. How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to get a job that's, that pays me this week? But he woke up the next morning still coming off of his, uh, you know, coming out, quote unquote, high from the night before He said, I realized that this was a blessing in disguise. I hate serving. (laughs) The reason they fired me was because I was making too many mistakes, but I was making so many mistakes because I didn't care. (laughs) As an artist, it's a soul crushing job. The only reason I stayed so long was because of the money. I can't recall. And this is really important. I can't recall how many auditions I missed out on because I had to work so much. The money made me lose sight of why I took the job to begin with. And, uh, that and the reason why was to help me save up money to move to LA to be an actor, which is my profession, my passion, my life. So I may, while I may be unemployed at the moment, I'm letting go of the fear. I find a new job that helps me be stayful and whatever whatever that may be, I have a passion for photography. So I'll do something with that maybe. Some big changes this week, and uh, he apologizes for the long email, but you know. It's all good, listener from Detroit, <laughs> dude.
2: Dude, I, I just uh, um, God, there's like nothing to say. Like I am, this warms my heart like nothing else to hear this this kind of story. So, congratulations, man, and thank you for sharing that. And please, please, please keep us posted on how things unfold for you and develop because. Uh, I can't think of of a better story and a, a better blessing than to get fired from a job you hate and to just be who you are and the world much of the time will just kind of uh adjust to us. That's kind of the way it works. We make the world we live in, right? Awesome. Well, thank you Mike. Thank you thank you uh Detroit. Uh anything else you wanted to add AJ before we jump into part 2 with Michael Kostroff?
1: No, man. What a what an awesome awesome follow-up makes yeah like you said uh warms my heart makes reminds me why we do this
2: yeah absolutely um thank you guys this is what it's all about it really is man i mean parts come and go scripts come and go casting directors movies all like all that shit comes and goes you know, when it comes down to what life is really about, it's this kind of thing. It's, can I be who I want to be in the world? Can I live my values? Can I enjoy my time here? Can I make other people's lives better? Can I leave this world better than I found it? Can I make, make it so that people that come after me don't have to live in fear, that they can live in, you know, happiness and excitement? And that's what it's about. And, and look what people are creating, man. It's, it is a, a joy to my idealistic little heart. <laughs> All right. well let's move on let's move on to uh part two with michael kostrov guys uh if ever if ever 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 there was uh, an interview uh with which to listen with a pen and paper in hand ready to go uh this is the one if you want to level up your audition game number one get on his mailing list so you can be at this workshop in person next time it comes to your city and number two you know short of that uh, listen to this interview once, twice, three times, many times, and take notes. And uh, one trick that uh, Michael gave, gives in his workshop is to take your big takeaways and put them on a little index card that you carry with you into the waiting room. And if you find yourself going crazy in your head with, you know, fear or anxiety or whatever stories you have, just whip out that index card and just remind yourself of your big takeaways from, from these, these ideas Uh, because it can make a big difference when you go into the room. So enjoy this, guys, and we'll catch you on the other side. a great segue into the audition psych workshop because i'm really curious to hear how these ideas just kind of you know ca- came to be and how you developed the workshop because there were some really not only just concrete sort of mindset shifts but also some really concrete i don't want to call them processes because we didn't you know like it wasn't participatory so like so much but there was you know a bit of standing up and and doing things um, which probably is confusing the hell out of people listening, but, but, but yeah, it wasn't like an acting class. Is this stuff that you just kind of f- like gathered over the years and how much of it is stuff that you kind of just realized after, you know, 200, 300 auditions,
0: where did it come from? You know, some of the best things that have happened in my life have happened by accident or cause somebody made me do it. And this is, this falls into the latter category. I wrote a book that came out in 2005 about my time on the road with the producers and Les Mis. It's called Letters from Backstage. And a friend of mine who's a teacher in the Bay Area said, come on up. We'll do a book event. I said, "Okay, great. And she called me back a few days later. She said, you know what? Nobody wants to come to a fucking book event. Come up and teach a class. I said, I don't have anything to teach. What are you talking about? I don't teach. She said, you idiot. Every fucking time I have an audition you tell me some little golden piece of thing that saves my ass. And I said, I do? She said, yes, asshole, write it down. And I said, but I don't, that's not enough for a class. She said, write it down. I mean, it was one of those. I, I didn't know that I had this topic. And she said, you're always telling me these things. Don't you know that? So with shaking hands, convinced that I had nothing to offer, you know, I wrote them down on index cards and I went and presented it, you know, for San Jose Rep., And, uh, and it was like three hours and people said, you've just changed my whole career. I'm like, really? And I was, I was like, um, electrified at the end of it. I was like, oh my God, that was really cool. And I, and I realized that I had to, I had to teach it partially because I don't think anybody else is, um, at least not the way that I teach it. Uh, just for, uh, we, we should bring your listeners up to date. The the class is Audition Psych 101, and it's strictly about the mental side of the audition process. So it's not an acting class, not techniques, it's not cold reading tips, it's how we think about it, how we approach it, and, and some of the faulty thinking that we indulge in, you know, uh, that doesn't really yeah. work for us. And uh, again, it's not positive thinking, it's all based on things that are actually true and measurable, yes. you know. Um, And we do a lot of laughing as we realize, oh my God, I've been thinking this stupid thing that makes no sense. In retrospect, I can see that it was born out of the fact that, as I said, I was very, very bad at presenting myself and very bad at auditioning and I never worked. And over the years of doing it, I subconsciously was kind of breaking down the the little baby steps and seeing where things were going wrong. I had to, because I, I'd come out of her audition room and I couldn't remember what had happened inside. I was it was like white hot nerves. That was 2005, and since then I've taught it all over the country, honed it, and you know, experimented with it and tried different things and taken out things that 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 didn't work or didn't seem applicable, and you know, uh, developed the things that people really re- seem to respond to. And yeah, um, there's now so much that I, I never fit everything in in the four hours. I always have to edit. <laughs> yeah.
2: Know? Yeah. Well, that's, a, that's a good problem to have.
0: It is a good problem to have. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, you
2: know, I was looking at the testimonials on the website before I went to the, the workshop that you had in LA a few weeks ago. And, and one of them was said something like, you know, I'm actually excited to go audition now. And I, I thought to myself, that's, Okay, that's pushing it. You know, nobody's excited to go audition. And then after I, I, you know, I left the workshop and with really not much more than just sort of discussing some mindset shifts and a a little bit of standing up and, um, you know, doing some of the things that you do. I I actually left and I was like, yeah, bring on the auditions. Like I am ready. Yeah. And And I have to say the most, I think the most transformative idea was what you start off with, which is statistically speaking, you're not getting the fucking part. So settle down. You'd have a chance to go act today. So go act and then go buy an ice cream for yourself afterwards. Yeah. And that's really like when you start to think about things like that, it's it's kind of like, wow.
0: Yeah. That's my mantra. I mean, I live by that. You know, you're not getting the fucking job. And the thing is, it's hard to hear at first and discouraging at first. But after a while, it becomes your best friend because you're really not getting the fucking job. That's <laughs> probably going to happen. That's yeah. Statistically... It's far and away the most likely outcome. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and and yet we put all of our focus on this thing that's not going to happen. And yeah. when you take that out of the picture, it's so calming because you're like, oh, okay. All right, well, then I'm just going to play the part, call it a day. And, you know, wh- what happens is people are able to see your better work because you're not trying to crack this impossible code. Yeah. You're just doing the part that you do know how to do, which is act.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah i I was in my agent's office a couple of years ago, and this guy named Glenn Morshauer, who's a, an actor who's on twenty uh not twenty four uh west west wing i think for a long time yeah. um he came in just dropped in one day and, and we started talking and, and it came to the, the idea of auditioning and whatnot and and he said he never uses the word auditioned anymore and this is something that we now like have adopted on the podcast. He says he always uses the word meeting because the word audition implies that you're trying out for something. And the word meeting implies that you're just simply bringing your creative ideas to the table to see what meshes, to see where there's an overlap. And if it doesn't work out
0: yeah, where there's an overlap, which is a great way to put it.
2: Yeah. And then if it doesn't work out and I love that you said this, you said we're all one big family. And if it doesn't work out for you, that means some other actors having a great day because they just got the call that they got the part and we get to be happy for that. And, it's like, how could you have any sort of losing situation when you think that way, when you when you get
0: an audition? I I hope other people get as jazzed about that as I do. I love thinking about the guy who got the part. It really takes my disappointment away instantly because, God, we, we, we live for those rare moments where somebody says, we're picking you. And I'm like, I'm really into the fact that somebody got that call. Yeah. And I understand that it can wear thin if if you're never getting that call and you know you can't always celebrate for other people but i don't know for me it helps a lot it it really gets rid of a lot of disappointment
2: yeah totally another thing that i really liked that i just want to kind of bring up about the workshop yeah. and and i i have to admit i i kind of i was so jazzed about the information that you shared that i i was scribbling down notes the entire time and i shared a lot of the the stuff right. with, with listeners in past episodes but what i didn't share was
0: i'm sorry i just want to say you know people someday say oh i you know, I hope you don't mind if I share this, you know, it, it's anyone's for the taking. I, you know, I, I'm not in the money making business with this workshop. You know, I charge very little, as you know, I give comps and discounts to anyone who needs them. I really just want to get it out there. So anything that that you ever want to share from what I've said is all yours. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks.
2: And I, I think the, the, the idea I I wanted to impress upon our listeners is that like, you you really got to go and experience it. You got to go there to get the fullest impact. Um, but what I didn't share was, was this, this process where we, you had some of us kind of get up on stage and, and then do the numbers thing. And maybe you can explain it better than I could, but that was amazing for me to witness.
0: It's my, it's one of my favorite things and, and probably really hard to describe.
2: Yeah. You kind of have to see it. Yeah.
0: I, I will give it my best shot, you know, so, so, uh, and this actually came from a great acting teacher, Doug Mostyn. Um, so the. The idea in, in, in the way I use it in my workshop is, what do you do if you're so nervous that you can't get a hold of your, you can't put yourself together and you, you're walking, you're gonna walk into an audition, a nervous wreck. And I, I, I offer lots of ideas for how to get rid of nerves, but what if none of that works? Or what if something else is going on? What if you're grieving or just got, just broke up with somebody or something, uh, then we're gonna see if you can use those feelings in the scene. and. Um, actually you have no choice but to use them in the scene because we're saying that you're not able to hide them. So the way this exercise works is I, I have somebody come up and start talking about what they are really, really feeling physically, mentally, emotionally at the moment, exactly getting connected. I've got a stomach ache. Where, where is it? It's more on the left side, sort of sour feeling. whatever it is. And then I have them switch to numbers, which are, a nonsense language it doesn't matter what numbers they pick it's just to get them used to using another language to express what they're feeling so they'll like if i'm trying to answer your question now but i switch to numbers i'm going 11, 42, one, 979 i know what i'm expressing uh, but i'm using numbers to do it and then i give them a little generic monologue um a little little speech and i ask them to um to use the words on the page to tell us how they're feeling. And don't act at all. Don't figure out what the scene is about. And don't do any of those things. Keep telling us about your stomachache. And we get these phenomenal performances, choices you'd never make that are riveting and truthful and If you didn't know that person had a stomach ache, you'd go, wow, that person is grieving for their lost love or, you know, imploring the jury that they've got to listen and find the client not guilty or whatever it is, because they're telling you the truth about what they feel. And it's not, I always emphasize this, this is not the way to approach your work as an actor. It's what to do when you feel like you can't because something is overwhelming you. Right. I guess that's 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 my best shot at explaining that exercise. It's fascinating to watch, right?
2: The thing is, I don't even remember what it's about because all I heard was her, the tone of her voice and the emotion that was trying to be expressed through some some language. And it was just the most riveting thing I'd ever seen. And it was it just happened right there on the spot magically. And I thought, what a great way to deal with what we bring into the room with us sometimes the baggage we bring.
0: I love that you love that because it's, it's one of my favorite things because it's, it, as I say, it's a safety net for yeah. what if everything I tell you in that workshop doesn't help at all and you still are a nervous wreck and you can't handle yourself at an audition. This is a, this is a safety net for that, yeah which is, which I think is delightful, you know, yeah, totally. but I always love watching what happens. I mean, I've seen, you know, again, I've been teaching this for 10 years. I've seen such phenomenally compelling moments in that exercise oh
2: god I can only imagine the stuff we got in just the 20 minutes that we did that was was riveting and I can only imagine what else you've seen and yeah what a, what a great fallback uh, for the other like when nothing else is working and your cat died or your dog was hit by a car god forbid you know but yeah. you bring that into the room and here this is me right now
0: Blech. I mean, you know, la- uh, last night I watched uh, Grease Live on Fox and Vanessa Hudgens uh, just lost her father. I-, I don't know how that affected her performance, but her performance was badass. She was really, really brilliant. And I don't know if, if to what extent she was able to put that aside to do the work, you know, but what if she couldn't? Right. You know, this yeah. this would be present there, you know.
2: Wow. Yeah, really powerful stuff. And I've said this on the show uh in previous episodes, but if you're listening to this and you ha- you're not familiar with Michael's workshop auditionpsych101.com, get on the mailing list and make sure you get yourself there in person uh, to the next one because it's it's a real game changer.
0: Oh, that's I want to emphasize this because, you know, um I keep a different mailing list for each city so that I can let people know when I'm there. I'm almost never in LA, maybe once a year these days. Um, so you won't be barraged with emails. I'll just go, we're coming to L.A., you know, so, so, you know, if you're in in like I'm doing two workshops in Atlanta in the next couple of months. Who knew? Right. Mm-hmm. So regardless of where you are, it's a it's a good idea to just, you know, or if you're not in a major city, let me know what your major closest major city is. And I'll just keep you on that list. Mm,
2: cool. Cool. Hey, on that on that note, what um, differences do you see among actors Uh, and the industry in these different cities that you do the workshop in, like how how do Atlanta actors differ from New York actors or LA actors,
0: for instance, here's the thing in terms of my workshop, no difference, no difference at all. You know, I always talk about, about us being a tribe, you know, and, uh, I think one of the things that's really effective about this workshop is to sit in a room with fellow actors and go, wow, I I'm not in my own private hell. We all go through this shit. You know, yeah. and people are surprised. I mean, I, I would say, OK, in, you know, in, in, in markets like Atlanta, they have l- fewer opportunities and less experience, most likely. And so they're even more self-effacing and shy and not believing in themselves. But there is a universality to this stuff. I've worked with enormous stars who had crippling um self-esteem issues and we all just think we're all crap i mean we, we mostly do you know the actors you meet who don't think they're crap usually are you know <laughs> <laughs> you know but it'd be mean, funny it, how that works you know what i mean yeah i mean this is this is a, a the, the, our, our tribal curse is we just think we just are faking it we don't belong in the room you know yeah I, I I always laugh because I, I I know that people look at me and I'm on TV all the time. My my people are texting me going, "Oh my God, is there anything you're not on?" Which is nice, you know. But I think people think of me as like immensely secure and you know. One of the reasons I don't teach acting is I really don't know exactly how I do it. I'm pretty instinctive. I'm not highly trained, you know. I I, I was recently working. This will be a big name drop, but okay, I, uh, but I. I recently did, uh, wizard of lies, which is, uh, De Niro starring as, as Bernie Madoff oh. and I'm playing De Niro's brother Wow! And I'm on the set. And my thought was not, wow, I must be good. My thought was, Oh my God, they're going to find out. Oh my God. I'm, I'm looking at these actors. I'm like, those are the real actors. I mean, you know, we do this to ourselves. Yeah. You know, it's a crazy, it's a crazy weird thing. We, we, we all do that to ourselves. Yeah. And yeah,
2: you don't really find that in many other industries, at least not that people talk about.
0: I don't think so. I yeah. don't think
2: it, it's really unique to the performing arts. We're a mess. <laughs> Which is all the more reason we need. We need workshops like Audition Psych 101.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes me it's, it is so gratifying to teach it. I mean, I, I, I had a hard time moving myself to the place where I charged for it at all because it's so gratifying. And people are always saying that I should charge more, but it's not, you know, I, I, people lined up down the block to gouge actors out of their hard-earned, meager earnings, and I just don't, I think that's disgusting. So I, uh, for me, the most important thing is that it's affordable to everybody.
2: So not to focus on the negative yes, cu- you know curious. So. <laughs> I'm curious, besides seeing actors consistently doubt themselves. Um, what is another thing that you see actors more often than not do to that sabotages themselves and what, uh, what guidance might you offer for that?
0: Well, I think a lot of it lines up in the, in the same vein. I, I think a, a lot of actors have elevated casting directors and directors mm. to godlike status and they live in a state of fear of offending them. Um, and if you put yourself on the other person's side of the table in your mind, it's really creepy and uncomfortable to be around somebody who is nervous around you and thinks you're a god and, you know, and, and think, you know, as, is sort of just lying prostrate on the floor, you know, you know what I mean? I mean yeah, and I exactly. we do that We do that to ourselves. I, I did that for years and it's it's not comfortable to be around. So we, we do that. We make everybody else more important. And I think we um, are always in the. Two things at the same time. I, I I I think we live as if we're playing the game operation. I probably mentioned that in the workshop, mm-hmm. where you know where you remove the bones. Yeah, you know that game. Yeah, I think we we think we are in constant constant danger of offending someone or doing something so horrifically wrong or stupid that we will be removed from show business. You know, it, it, we we we. It's like we think we're walking through a minefield. And the, from the other person's perspective, it's not like that. They want so much for us to just relax and do our thing. And, it, you know, I, I recently had my first directing job. Um, and I was being on the other side of the table was fascinating because I, I was rooting for these actors. I wasn't interested in, you know, um, taking an inventory of what they did wrong. Mm-hmm. I was just sort of going, oh, that's who you are. OK, Good. You know, and I either picked them or didn't pick them. But there wasn't anybody that I went, oh, my God, mm-hmm. what a disgrace. So I, I think we do that to ourselves. We, 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 we are trying all the time to get it right and and not offend and not do anything wrong. And uh, that danger is much smaller than we think.
2: Yeah. And I I, I want to present something that you just said, which I think is, is really key. You said sitting on the other side of the table as a director and, you know, auditioning actors you said that they would come in and do their thing and you'd say, okay, that's who you are. You didn't say that's the performance you brought. You said, okay, that's who you are. And I think I had a coach once who said, you know, I was working with him and he said, how do you feel about this audition we've been working on? And I said, I said, I feel great. I'm gonna gonna go in there, I'm gonna nail it. And he said, no, you're gonna go in there and you're gonna show them who you are. And I never forgot that. That was a total paradigm shift for me. And you just said it again. I
0: wanted to just kind of point that out. It's interesting I, yeah, you you 're making a good point because i, I didn 't really circle it in my brain when I said it, but I, I think I was casting people 's essences. Mm. I was like, I see the character this way. this person seems like that to me, and again, we think, oh, if I say a line wrong or if I, if I blow a line or if I do it differently than I planned, that 's going to ruin everything, but really it 's not you 're still the same instrument, the same being, the same sort of take on the general take on the role that you think is interesting and good or or right or truthful uh, it's going to be the, it, you're not really in danger of falling out of that yeah. you know yeah. you're going to bring that in whether you realize it or not and we think we've got to to sell it and drive it and you know get it right it, you know like like that star wars thing where he's driving that tiny little right. you know <laughs> ridge he's got to get yeah. it exactly right you know And it's really not like that. If you simply come in and do your take on the role that you, you know, the the way you envision it, the way you would do it if they picked you and nobody gave you any direction, uh, you know, that's all people are really looking for. And, you know, another important thing that I talk about in the workshop is when you don't get picked, you don't get picked. You don't fail. You don't disgrace yourself. You don't offend people. They're not angry at you. They don't think you're, you're awful. They just don't pick you. That's all. Yeah. And sometimes they don't make the best choices. Sometimes you might have been the better choice. Yeah. Just didn't pick you. Yeah. You know.
2: Yeah. And when, that's another thing we, we've talked about on the show. The idea that rejection is, is a
0: myth. When you didn't get the job. You just didn't get the job. Nothing changed in your life. Right. That's right. Yeah. And, and also it's not a fail. Again, we've got to wrap our heads around the fact that this is the norm. Hmm. The normal outcome is not getting picked. It's not a failure. It's the norm. So everything is going right. If you audition and you do not get cast, welcome to show business. Everything has gone right. Nothing has gone wrong at all. Yeah. But I'll tell you, you know, it's, it's funny. I, it, being on the directing side was really uh, an eye-opener. Um, I cast one guy who was called back by a mistake.
2: Oh, I remember you telling this story. Did yeah. I see this? Yeah. yeah.
0: So I saw him and I, thought, I went, well, no, he's not right. And the casting director misunderstood me and brought him back. And on the second look, I, I chose him. I mean, that's how unscientific it is. I also got it in my mind that for some reason, people's heights had to match up, which is not at all important, but it was my first professional directing job. And I had this warped idea. So there were some people that I didn't see because they were the wrong height for me. And, you know, they might've been much better choices. So it's, again, it's, it's just, this is how weird it is and how strange it is and, and not predictable and not linear and we we are so quick to go oh it's me i did it wrong mm-hmm. yeah. Like, not
2: really. yeah
0: not really yeah
2: one, one thing i want i want to mention also before we kind of wrap up is is the idea that you brought to light in, in the workshop and this was huge for me is that our, our job in the room is how can i put this like what our job is not is to allow create the space for them to encourage us Maybe you can put it more eloquently, but the idea being that like as soon as they feel they have to encourage us, we are kind of that's kind of the worst thing we could be doing.
0: This yeah, this is something that the vast majority of actors have backwards. We go to an audition and we hope to get some encouraging signs from the casting director or the director um so that we can leave and say, Oh, okay, I'm in the right business. I'm doing but those roles are the opposite. Um As I always say, you're the doctor and they're the patient. So when you go to the doctor and you want to tell them about the pain that you have and what your needs are, you don't want the doctor to be looking for a sign of confirmation from you to let them know they're doing a good job. You need their help. You need them to come fix it. You know, as I'm sure I shared, my, my recent favorite analogy is that we're like carpet salesmen. You know, if somebody needs carpet, they call in a couple of people who, you know, who sell carpet and people will come in and say well here's what we have this this and this so you know uh, maybe this is going to be the kind of carpet you want and if not we wish you all the best and maybe we'll see you next time around and that's it but you know it's my Kostroff golden rule of auditioning take care of them and never ask them to take care of you
2: yeah yeah
0: we rampantly ask them to take care of us with our behavior you know with our flattery with our you know nervousness we ask them to make us okay and that is forcing them into a job that's not their job we're the we're the plumbers you know who've been coming to fix the fix the thing
2: you know you summed it up really nicely you said your, your personal slogan is now uh hey i heard you need an actor yeah, can uh, like, help. can I help? Yeah, how can I help? Yeah, I can help. Which, yeah. which is great because that's how every other business does it. It's like, why does it become this big emotional, you know, head game with us?
0: Well, you know, you have to ask for nothing, offer something, ask for nothing, you know, and and say, listen, I might be able to help you with this. Don't worry about me. This is what I do. I go from place to place. I show show my wares, offer my services, and those who feel that this is going to meet their needs hire me. And the rest of the time, I just you know, I'm I'm fine. And, and you're not asking for anything. You're not saying, please like me. You're not putting them in the position of having to be your mommy or your therapist or your cheerleader. That mindset, I, I tell you, you, you see a difference in how people respond to you because they're like, oh, you're a pro. I got it. Wow. Oh, OK. OK. Got it. You're a professional. Right. And it, this whole conversation goes on without words. But, you know, that's, that's the response that I get from people is, oh, OK, great. Let's just settle. Now I can settle down and watch your work.
2: Right. Yeah. And, I, and I bet you a part of that conversation is also like I could cast this guy and he's not going to cause any problems when it when the, when they're shooting for 18 hours in the freezing cold on set.
0: Also, right. And also I can put him on the set with De Niro and he's not going to freak out and ask him for an autograph and melt down and say, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm working with you because yeah. that also is not what De Niro needs. You know, this is a, I'm going to go off on a little side note. It's, it, it occurs to me that when I'm on the set as a guest star. I'm still in a, in a taken care of people position because when you work with someone like De Niro, he's in his office, he's at work when he's out in the world, people gush and they get nervous around him and he's got to deal with that. But right now he wants to be able to just do the work of the scene and not deal with your anxiety about working with him or how impressed you are or what a fan you are or anything. He just wants to do the damn work. So part of my job is to call him Bob and act like we do this all the time, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so that's also part of the thing in the audition process is saying, you know, you can put me anywhere, I'm I'm cool, you know. Mm.
2: Yeah. Man, I can't think of a better note to end on than that, and and yet we didn't even get a chance to talk about your directing uh, and and uh, other projects you're working on. So perhaps we'll have to do this
0: again. I'd
2: love it. Uh, be- love it. Before we completely wrap up, there's two questions we'd like to kind of end each interview with, with all of our guests. And uh, I'm really excited to hear what your responses are. So first off is, do you feel like this career path chose you or that you chose it?
0: I think it chose me. Without well, question.
2: Yeah. I-, I had a feeling you were going to say that just based on like, as soon as, as soon as you identified it as a kid, you were like, that's where I belong.
0: I was I was in- I was in this, Dark Little Childhood, and it's like this colorful wagon of show people pulled up and adopted me. And I'm like, oh, that's my people.
2: I love that image.
0: You know? Hey, Michael, over here. Come on. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what took you so long? Yeah, right. Okay.
2: That's awesome. Uh, and the second question is, if you could take everything that you've learned that uh, from Vic, the victories and the pitfalls and just distill it down into one Nugget of advice, one sentence to pass on to somebody walking this journey, uh, sort of in the, p- in the path behind you. What would that that nugget of advice or wisdom be?
0: I would say do your very best to relish what is wonderful about where you are right now. And wow, that is so woo-woo and, full, full, and, and, and like new age. I, I, I'm ashamed that I said it. I thought you were but in New that, York. That's an L.A. Yeah, thing. Right. Yeah. But that is really it because... It's very easy for us to say at any level of our career, well, I haven't done this or, well, it's just this or I, you know, it's just I'm just just doing a little independent film. I mean, we all do this. You know, I, I, I was working with a woman who had done eight Broadway shows and she was having a blue day. And she said, well, I guess I'm not meant to have any success in this business. Like, You've done eight Broadway shows. I don't want to hear about your problems. Right. Yeah. Regardless of whether you're starting out or, or wherever you are. To do your best to, to relish what's great about where you are right now. Hmm. That's good. I just made that up. I'm kind of impressed.
2: Awesome. Well, Michael, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to chat with us. If, if people want to find out more about you, um, you're obviously all over IMDb. Uh, and I know you've got social media as well, Twitter and, and Facebook. And, and where can people connect with you there?
0: Um, well, okay. So Audition Psych 101 is at Auditions101.com. I should spell it out because people sometimes think it's got an E in the middle. It's Audition Psych P-S-Y-C-H-101.com. Uh, um I, I I'm really not, a, not great at social media, but I am on Twitter. Uh it's uh the real Kostroff. And I do have a Facebook fan page, Michael Kostroff, um, and that's K-O-S-T-R-O-F-F. I'm really bad ab- about keeping it up, but I do like to interact with people. So if anybody ever wants to send me a message there, I, I, I respond.
2: Well, we'll make sure we have links to all of those on our on our website in the show notes. Great. Uh, and again, Michael, thank you. This has been really awesome. And uh, I, I sincerely hope that every single actor listening to this gets a chance to experience your workshop. And I, I just want to also say that Michael didn't pay me to say this or anything like that. <laughs> I I really uh, just believe in in what you're doing and and the ideology, I think it's incredibly valuable. So thank you for, for what you're doing in the world.
0: It's really my pleasure. And thanks for having me. I'll come back anytime you want me.
1: So the timing of this interview, um, right along with, you know, uh, Amir Talai and Fisher and and, uh, Steve Rohr and you know like just all these you know Ben Mathis like these huge like mindset paradigm shifting um, interviews couldn't couldn't, the timing could not have been better because you bet your ass I was listening to these the week of you know all these pilot auditions and this chemistry read and it was so 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 nice to have all of those things going into the room with me and I, I would not i would not hesitate to say that they were supportive in having me you know move forward with these with these projects
2: yeah very grateful to have michael and ben and uh, amir and uh all the all the guests really throughout the history of the podcast but this we've had a really good run man these last couple uh months here just like we're getting deep with this shit you know so
1: uh, your pick of the week. What explain? Explain to me. <laughs> it's a it's an album actually, uh, and it's also the, I, I'm, we're going to be posting some supplementary material, <laughs> I guess you could say. So the new uh, Macklemore and Ryan Lewis album, and I love those guys, and I think that the work that they're doing is awesome, and. Not only is it great music, but a lot of it has you know, social change messages in it and stuff. And I had heard their one new hit off this album, Downtown, and I was like, this is just silly, fun, you know, e- you know, easy to listen to, uh, maybe gets you dancing a little bit. Um, and then I heard a couple of their other songs on there, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so good. There's this other one that talks about, like, fitness and goals and stuff that, like, is so funny and, and will, you know, I think really speak to, uh, maybe our listeners, but just people in general who are interested in, in the stuff we talked about, like the stuff we talked about on the podcast, like productivity and like I said, goal setting and fitness and stuff like that. It's just, it's, it's, it's imagine writing a song that is literally like your inner demons preventing you from achieving some of your goals, whether it be fitness or otherwise. And that's literally what they put into a song. It's so anyway, really good. I can't wait, man. So there's a link to the album on iTunes uh, on our website, but then also uh, a link to a YouTube video that I think Jasmine may have posted on the Inside Acting Facebook group, but it's basically talking about how he was essentially at writer's block, was like having a hard time with his music. And what they decided to do, and you'll appreciate this, Trevor, is they decided to rent a van, throw all of their gear in it, and drive into the woods. (laughs) And they, like, rented a cabin or something like that, and there was no cell phone reception. And the only thing that they did was work on music and art. And they said he said that, you know, it was the first time in a long time that he was writing because he not because he had to, but because he got to, Mm, I love that. Um, so he talks about the difference between, you know, creativity for survival and creativity for creativity's sake. Um, and it's, it's, it's fantastic. And, uh, just like, is a great supplement to some of the music that's on the album itself so
2: i love stories like that man i love hearing artists just force themselves like to overcome all that internal crap it just to me it affirms that like you're not weird if you have a ton of resistance to making stuff and sometimes what you got to do is take drastic measures and this might be what it looks like and here's the results that happened when i did it and so i love that shit man that's really exciting yeah all right, awesome! This unruly mess I've made by Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. Excited to check that out.
1: And your pick of the week, my friend.
2: My pick of the week is a book by Naomi Klein. Um, I would say of all the studying uh, and immersion uh, I've I've done in this climate uh, climate crisis anthropogenic climate crisis uh, stuff. Anthropogenic means um, human caused. So that's an important distinction I want to make. Uh, We are in the age of man, the Anthropocene, and it is the changes in the atmosphere and the loss of biodiversity and and everything that's happening is it's just irrefutable evidence that it's it's all linked to human activity. Uh, But anyway, of all that, uh, this book by Naomi Klein, which is called This Changes Everything, is probably the most important book I've I've read yet. And the reason it's the most important book I've read yet is because it really takes into account not only the the psychology uh, that's a, that's at work creating this this situation and specifically our economic systems capitalism I mean Western culture as a whole but more more specifically capitalism and how unsustainable and and, and how just ludicrous it is to continue with capitalism and that if we want to solve this problem if we want to leave a habitable planet for our children and our children's children or if we want to you know hopefully curb a 50% loss in biodiversity and and species uh in the next you know 25 years we need to abandon capitalism so this book talks about the the mindset shift uh what's happening now and then and then it gets really exciting it talks about like well here's here's what we might be able to create instead, here's here's the way forward, and here's what it might look like, and I, it's the first book that I've read that I, I was kind of equally horrified by, but also, like, really empowered and emboldened by, and I just thought, there, this is a really exciting time to be living in, because if we can pull this off as a species, it, it would be incredible, I mean, it, there, there's a lot of opportunity ahead, and we just need to get enough people on board to hit that tipping point. Because right now we're in this sort of mindless consumerist society where everything's throwaway. I don't know what's next, but this book poses some really interesting fodder, some really interesting food for thought. So check it out. The book's called "This Changes Everything." There's also a documentary that you can get on iTunes and probably a bunch of other places too. Is a documentary version of the book, but uh, thischangeseverything.org cannot recommend this book enough.
1: Does this have anything to do with the other article that you posted about like the shift to renewable energy, to sustainable energy, or is that completely separate? Uh,
2: um, I posted so many articles on shifting (laughs) to sustainable energy and renewable sources. It was
1: recent. The only reason I'm asking is because when you mentioned like essentially that the tipping point was coming, Mm -hmm. you know, that these changes were going to be made, it reminded me of that article that you posted. And I was like, Oh, like, That sounds like, you know, there's hope for not only climate change, but for the way that we, um, you know, operate in our consumerist capitalist, you know, culture here. Mm -hmm. I don't know.
2: Yeah. I mean, they're all, they're all, you know, obviously related on some level. I I don't think that this was, it was, that article was specifically linked to this book or this ideology, this, this movement, so to speak, ideology is the wrong word because it's definitely related to the ideology, but there is a way forward, um, and we really get to focus our energies on on electing leaders that are going to uh help pave that way forward it's going to be uncomfortable it's going to be really uncomfortable we're going to have to have a massive change in behavior and values as a society if we want to you know conquer this this obstacle which i've said it before is the by far the greatest uh challenge humanity's ever faced and yeah Um, anyway, this, I, I could go on. Don't get me started, man. I could go on. This is increasingly like something, I will not
1: ask you any more questions. (laughs) This is
2: increasingly something that is like, uh, feels like it could be, uh, a huge part of my life's time and energy. Um, and this book, I, I can't recommend it enough. It's definitely like top of my list so far. I haven't, I haven't even finished it yet. So check it out. So that is uh, This Unruly Mess I've Made by Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. Really looking forward to listening to that. I love the idea of, like, goal setting and activism all enrolled into music. And then uh, and then this book and documentary, this changes everything. And, of course, the YouTube video, the accompanying YouTube video about forcing oneself to create art by perhaps locking oneself in a cabin with no <laughs> access to the outside world for a couple weeks.
1: You know, there's different ways of doing it. Hey, man,
2: whatever, whatever works, right? All right. Well, this episode of Inside Acting today was produced and co-hosted by me, Trevor Algott, and A.J. Meyer. Jen Levin is our production coordinator. Gadali Gubrek is our marketing and web director. Deborah Smith is our community manager. And Trevor Algott, that's me, edited and mixed today's episode and composed our theme and interview music.
1: You can sign up for our weekly email dispatch and listen to all of our recent episodes and all of our episodes, Period. At our website, InsideActing.net, you can also find us on iTunes, and your reviews there are hugely appreciated.
2: Big love and big thanks to our sponsors, Rehearsal Pro and VO2GoGo.com. And big love and big thanks to you, our listeners. If you are listening to this right now and you're loving it and you want to maximize the value of the, of the information and the ideas and everything you're hearing in this podcast, you want to just add it into your life and career in a big way. And if you want to support the continued production of this podcast... Easy way to do it. Sign up as a member and get cool perks like access to our membership message board, cool freebies, invites to exclusive member meetups, much, much more. Just visit InsideActing.net. Click on the membership tab to get started.
1: And that is it for episode 226 of Inside Acting. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, be yourself.